0: Welcome to Your Voice to the World. I'm Eddie Pinero, speaker, filmmaker, and storyteller, teaming up with Terrence McMahon, retired CEO and best-selling author. Having built multi-million dollar businesses and created lifestyle brands enjoyed by millions around the world, we've established a blueprint to do more and become more. Now we're joining forces to inspire you to share your voice and build a business and lifestyle You've always dreamed of. Welcome to the Your Voice to the World podcast. I'm Eddie Pinero. I'm Terrence McMahon. And we are here to help you share your voice and build your business. And today, before we get into the amazing book we have, quick note. to say thank you for season one and how much we appreciate you guys watching and uh, being a part of this community. We want to do something a little different, and so we are giving away a, a Sure SMB microphone. Um, this is the mic that um, I use to record every year World Within video. It's the mic that... Um, Michael Jackson recorded "Thriller" with. It's just, it's a very versatile mic, and it's an awesome mic. And so, we want to give it away, um, and we're going to do that as soon as we hit 150 reviews. So, all you have to do to enter the contest is to go to the Apple Podcast app and leave a review under your voice to the world, and you're automatically entered. We're going to then shuffle all the names, pull one out, and um, give it away. The reviews are big time important, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to learn all about that. The algorithm will <coughs> will point this podcast to other like-minded people and you also get a chance to win a killer mac daddy mike
0: absolutely so cool that's the name of the game and um yeah we get so many nice messages from from you guys every day uh, about the podcast so um you know wanna wanna give back and and get everyone involved so on that note what do you think there's gonna be a link to do that um in the, in the notes well, actually, you can't link. So you just go like you're listening to our podcast. The same page with all the episodes. Just scroll right to the bottom, and there's a spot to leave you know a certain amount of stars and a quick write-up. And it's got to be five. Uh, be five. <laughs> and uh, then you're good. Good to go. So, all right. Let's talk about this week's book. All
1: right, we got Jerry Weintraub, the famous producer, actor. Uh, most famous, probably, as an agent. Uh, when I stop talking, you'll know I'm dead. And it's useful stories from one of the world's most persuasive men. And this book is showing up as a self-help book. But it's really a book of stories of how this guy uh, rose from the Bronx, uh, didn't have any money, didn't really know anything. And he ended up learning how to become super persuasive to create massive momentum for his brand and to build a huge empire was worth almost uh, what? A third of a billion dollars. He died uh, at 77 years old, I think, a couple years ago. Awesome guy. Yeah. Um, he produced uh, The Karate Kid. He produced um, Ocean's 12 and 13. Um, 11 is th-
0: the only one I know, but I'm not... And 11, mm. yeah. Th- how many are there? I think there's three. That's awesome.
1: They're all good. The sequel. Um, but there's, there's, there's good takeaways. Uh, these are... You know, top takeaways. Eddie and I are trying to give you for a book that you would maybe wouldn't read otherwise. Uh, Hopefully, it compels you to read it. This is a this is a great book, super entertaining. Um, But the it starts off. He was a little kid in the Bronx, and he was didn't have any money. His parents had no money. His dad was a actually a traveling salesman, sold jewels, and he he um, he noticed that the dry cleaner people would come from the train where he lived, and they'd pick up the dry cleaning every day. So he approached the dry cleaner. And, 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 and asked him if he, w- he could deliver the clothing for him to the, to the people. So he ended up getting accounts and delivering clothing. And then he noticed also the same people tended to get uh, their laundry done. So he also uh, cut a deal with the laundry guy. And as the story goes, he started working, both of which only paid him on tips. So he created his own industry, became an entrepreneur. He was like 13 years old. And he, he has a first early tip that he says uh, he used to get the clothes together, but he delivered them in two different trips. So he'd get two tips. He says never get paid once for doing something twice. Yeah, um, and he, he kind of like um, now he created his business. He pitched, he pitched the uh, ideas to the business owners, and he had a business right out of the gate. And you know, years later, he became Jerry Weintraub. Which Same.
0: is it's cool because he had the like that story is kind of the roots to like everything throughout the book. Is that it's just a different version of that? It's that blown up, that more expansive, like you know way of looking at things but that's what it's about you know during that story when he's like i, I looked at the world differently like he started to right. see that he started to see life as opportunity and like you can move and shake if you start looking at the pieces the players and the opportunities a certain way and that's like that's everything super relatable yeah, he, he turned yeah,
1: he turned uh, nothing into something right like that's one of our one of our kind of fun little jokes that's like how do you make something out of nothing literally out of thin air yeah Uh, In the the early story, the second story I like is his dad was a a, a traveling salesperson. He he was overseas, and he found this large uh, raw gem. uh, I think it was a sapphire, uh, 270-gram sapphire uh, that sits in the Smithsonian to this day. And um, normally you would cut that up and make a lot of little sapphires out of it and make a good payday, but his dad had the idea to package it as this... um, this long, he put a brand on it. He called it the Star of Artaban. Mm-hmm. And he positioned it as the star that was carried by the fourth uh, wise man that never made it to the manger. They put a whole story into it. And then when he, every, whenever he went into a town, he instead of um, you know just showing up to sell jewelry, he would make a big publicity pitch for this Star of Artaban. And he'd have a Brinks truck and armed guards. And he created a big production out of it, because he was a showman. And he pack packaged this thing, and it became this famous jewel. And of course, every time he got there, there'd be tons of press, and, and, and he would stimulate sales for the, the, the jewelry store that he visited. Yeah. So that kind of got him an idea that would later be used to package the great celebrities in show business.
0: Yeah, that's I would argue that's the theme throughout the book. I mean, or one of the main three, um, and it just... It's, it's incredible to think about how that translates into what you're doing. You know, you take a, a pair of shoes. They're not worth much. You put a Nike check on them. They're worth a lot, right? right. Everything is packaging, branding, marketing. And so, you know, you can kind of look at, like, anything you're doing. Like, I look at Your World Within, um, you know, the, the, the brand that I created years ago. It's nothing. Like, everything starts as nothing. Everything starts worthless. Everything starts valueless. And it's your job to one visualize it, uh, you know, and then start making moves towards it to bring it to life. Um, And you just see him do this tenaciously, like throughout the entire book. Um, It's it's an important thing. You can't you can't have a business without it. You can't share your voice without it because to have a business, you got to see an end goal. To share your voice, you have to believe what you're saying, and you have to believe that it's going to impact the lives of others, and then drive towards it. So those theories like that that way of looking at things is, is, is pivotal.
1: Yeah, you don't always know what it's going to end up being either. Right. You know, remember we t- on the last episode we were talking about, you know, what your world within is and it was, you know, ultimately we said it's a feeling. So the bit the business and the brand and the product is actually a feeling to create a feeling. And you know, if you think about any t- any form of entertainment, you watch movies and go to concerts and you listen to music. Because it gives you a feeling. arguably right. it, 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 and, uh, I, heard, I heard someone talk about this. like that feeling rivals um, you know a, a drug because it changes your brain. When you hear music you like or you see a movie you like, it changes your brain, it releases a chemical of enjoyment. and that's what you've created with your, your brand. And that's what you might want to create when you're building your message is you know what feeling are you trying to produce with your with your audience? So when people saw the star of Advant, they, they they felt a feeling of, of of privilege, like oh, we're seeing this unique star, and this packaging was so good, it ended up in the Smithsonian. Right, it's in a museum right now, and it was a, a creation. The guy was creative. He created. Uh, he saw something. He had a vision. He created it, and he and he made it true through his actions.
0: Yeah, and he understood that it. every step along the way. He understood that 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 perception um, validates. <clears throat> And so he knew that if he could create the idea or the perception or what he wanted, he thought with the end goal in mind. Um, you know, and we'll talk about different examples, but this is this is the end result. Um so how do we make it look like this? And then life just kind of fills in the gaps. you right. know like I'm sure I'm sure with your agency, you know, I, I've heard you talk to other agents, I've heard you coaching. Um, it starts with an idea, right. right? I mean, you didn't have an agency at one point. Um, but you, you you had the idea of one and you knew there were certain ways of looking at things that would not only help you sustain but put you ahead of everyone else.
1: Yeah, I mean, part of it is just being around people that would make that connection possible. A lot of people want to like, create this huge business and they have no idea how to do that, so they start trying to knock over this giant domino, <laughs> meaning this big business, instead of trying to get strategic about how to create a large business. To create a large business, you need to model the second pillar of M3 is modeling. What model works and who's doing it well? Yeah, Like who's got a model right now that has a large, uh, you know, if we're just looking at lifestyle friendly, where our own model is, you know, we have a, a highly digital and, uh, lifestyle that we can do from anywhere in the world with valuable content and takeaways and ideas that you can turn into money. Just like Jerry turned the, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that didn't exist with people that needed clothing delivered to them to a business right and that's the same thing so to, to do it you know back to the you know in the one of the things I think I did well uh, as good as anybody's I got around I, I, I weaseled my way into social circles that gave me access to large big ideas right um, and then I actually did it in the actual niche um, you know starting with you know finding someone that taught me one skill set that, that, that uh, you know just to close knocking on doors I, I, I met a guy and I helped him and he helped me. He taught me how to knock on doors. And I met another guy that taught me how to recruit. And I met another guy that taught me how to market. Right. And these people always got me into you know, a bigger a bigger game. It's almost like the, the bigger game at Vegas, you know, that you go to from room to room until you're in the big game. Yeah. It's the same thing in business. This guy did it, you know, he's delivering clothes. Um, and then he, you know, he had the Elvis story. I think it was his big breakthrough with Elvis, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Um, that story is essentially, I mean, he had the dream of taking Elvis, um, you know, on tour. Hold on a second. Steve, do you
2: know who Elvis is? Yeah, <laughs> of course. How does, how does someone 26 years old know who Elvis is anymore? I don't know. I, have, I mean, I actually, it's funny cause I actually started listening to some oldies and I got back into Elvis. I've never really listened to his music like that, but I've actually started a new little playlist. He's on it. What's the one I like, um, Falling in Love. That oh, yeah. is that one that's like a classic that's like the one I've been on repeat but yeah I haven't it's actually recent but yeah I haven't listened to much yeah, he, he's um, Elvis became big right I think right
1: after the Beatles because the Beatles were big then Elvis came in and Elvis just took over because he was doing something different uh, I guess that was his algorithm he wanted to be different he was definitely not the same because he used to move his body like some TV shows when he let him on I mean, he became big 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 and then so big that this is right around when movies were being produced he became a big movie star you know, he just basically sang in a movie and it would do number one. Right, you know? right. So that was his path. Right. And then uh, and he was not he was th- he stopped singing, so he started acting in movies. And one day Jerry woke up and had his vision. He said Jerry Weintraub presents Elvis Presley at the Madison Square Garden. And that was the beginning of a vision for him to bring Elvis back right. to big, big venues, like giant stadiums. He was the first guy to do big big stadiums, like he did the Madison Square Garden. But it started with an idea that he could do this for Elvis. And that was just an idea, had no, no reason. He knew, didn't know Elvis, didn't know anything about Elvis, but he did his homework. He found out that the Colonel was Elvis's manager, Tom Parker. And Tom Parker ran Elvis's life. He was the Colonel. He used to walk around with a cane, played a lot of roulette, I guess. Um, called him every day. Right. called him every day and then found his number. And, and Tom Parker said, Elvis is doing movies. We're not interested in Even if we are interested, we're not interested in you. We don't know you. We have people that do that. Um, a year later, Tom Parker called, gave him a shot. Yeah. How'd the story go?
0: Yeah, well, that's essentially his first big break. He says, you know, you can do this if you show up tomorrow through the roulette table with a million bucks. And so Jerry, at that point, you know, he's got that first domino knocked down, but now he's got that sort of the monumental task of figuring out how to get a million dollars, which back then is way more than a million. I don't know I don't know what it would be in today's money. Um, but, you know, calling people, friends of friends, anyone he can, he finds, finds out there's a guy that owns some radio stations, a big fan of Elvis, gets a million-dollar loan from him, shows up the next day, and that sort of, you know, kicks off everything. Um, but again, it's just representative of him sort of willing things to life, doing things that are continuously outrageous. You know, he makes... Uh, or there's um, calls to the fact that his wife constantly calls him crazy. You know what right. I mean? Like, she's not even on board with his his level of thinking, um, but it's because of that that, it, you know, these pieces keep falling into place.
1: Yeah, I think... Um he, he he didn't he didn't have the resources and one of the things I think that made him so famous and, and rich and, and powerful was he was super persuasive yeah so he persuaded some guy he didn't know to give him a million bucks Elvis fan and, and this was the biggest deal is there, Tom Parker didn't do contracts everything was on a handshake so he stroked over a check for a million bucks with no contract back then they didn't they never did this type of concert before they never had a venue where they. Would have a gate and sell T-shirts and all that.
2: Right, right. What year yeah. did you say the uh, he did that deal for the million dollars in one day? I'm not sure. I think it's not around 1960. Okay, in the 60s, because I was trying to look up like how much it would be. In how much would day. it?
1: 60.
2: Try to take a guess, and I'll look it up.
1: Well, it depends on what your rate of return is, but if you uh, if you take four and put it into 72, that's how long it takes money to double. That's called the loss, 72. So, four percent. Money doubles every twelve years, so sixty is forty. What is it? Twenty-eight million. Sixty years. <laughs> sixty years. It would double about four times. So one
2: to two, two to four, four to four to eight, eight to sixteen. Maybe twenty million. It's bucks. saying you. Well, this is just pretty much inflation, yeah. but uh, in other words, one million dollars in nineteen sixty is equivalent in purchasing power to about eight point six million in twenty twenty.
1: Eight six. So doubled twice. Doubled 1 to 2, 2 to 4, 4, double three times.
0: Just the prospect of getting that much money is insane.
1: Well, in 24 hours.
0: I know, from someone that you don't know.
1: You drop it off at a roulette table to Colonel Tom Parker. Turn, Colonel Parker was the, that the master of the handshake. So at the end of the concert, after they did the concert, um, he didn't know this, but there was, a, it was cash concessions, and Colonel, Colonel Parker invited Jerry into a room, and he had two suitcases full of cash. And he poured the cash in the table, and Jerry didn't know what it was. It was more money than he'd ever seen. And Colonel Parker put his cane in and just cut it down the middle, 50-50. Yeah. He got 50, and Colonel Parker and Elvis took 50. So he got more than Elvis. Elvis only got half of 50.
0: Yeah, it's amazing to think about. Like, you hear how many uh, artists got screwed by the record labels. Yeah. Like, you know, we talk all the time now about, like, the, you know, the one-to-one. You remove the middlemen from... Uh, The process of creating and and reaching your clients and consumers one to one, you just you get all the money as opposed to just signing a contract and hoping Universal or Sony gives you some. You know.
1: That's an interesting dialogue here as we look from afar, years later, but 60 years later, Elvis cuts a deal with this guy he doesn't know to get access to tens of thousands of people, right? Right. And ends up getting money out of it, a lot less. Per, as a percentage of the take, right? You got 25%. You got half of half. So Elvis gets 25%. Colonel Parker gets 25%. The guy they didn't know doesn't sing got half. It's like an interesting concept that, you know, I know a lot of people that have their businesses and they have a great idea and they have tons of talent, but they won't give away any of their business because they, they want it all. Right. And that's an interesting uh, challenge sometimes to to, to, to play with because you give it away. sometimes. Investors like venture, has like basically a venture capitalist says, You know, I'm gonna put you in front of a lot of people, I'm taking half. Isn't that an interesting concept.
0: Like, yeah. do you say no, well, to pay, you gotta trust who you're giving it to. Right. I mean, that to me is, but you can't, you can't keep saying no. Like, to grow and to scale, you need, you need people and you need resources at some point. You know, uh, to me, the question is, Is the investment smart? It happened to be a, a brilliant investment, but it's just sheer luck. Essentially. I mean, for, right. for Elvis, right.
1: Yeah, well, he had the skill. I mean, that, th- that might be a different example, but if you look at, like... Well,
0: Sherlock in terms of who, who he surrounded himself with. Right. Like, they didn't know Jerry Weintraub was going to be an awesome dude. He could have been a clown.
1: True, true. And there's a lot, of, by the way, there's a lot of clowns out there. I mean, that, that's like, <laughs> right. it's, like a, it's like the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Valley Circus stopped uh, performing a couple years ago. Every clown in the world now is cutting deals on the internet saying they're experts. That's where all the clowns went to work. Right. Because I see one. I bumped into many of them. It's like, these people are complete clowns. Um, but think about Google. Steve, look up the Google deal. The initial investors for Google, okay. because that was a, they had a, a way. What was Google's initial product? It was search, right?
2: I it was a browse, just a search engine. Search engine, yeah.
1: And they had early investors, so they had this amazing search technology, and they and they they had to give up a fair amount of the company to get it. You know, which is which is very scary. If you worked your whole imagine working your whole life and you give up, you know, a, a lot. And this is kind of a deviation from this, but it really isn't. You take extreme expertise. Uh, like the best message in the world that is kept a secret doesn't do anything, which I think, which I think is sometimes a shame. Um, I guess you got to, I guess you got to take some chances.
0: Got to take risks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That. Oh, well, that's. You know, you, He says that. You talk about that. I did my TED talk on it. If you're, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not moving. Right. Every step along the way for him was uncomfortable. You know, I'm sure calling people at three in the morning for a million dollars wasn't comfortable. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> so calling
1: someone you don't even, I mean, out of nowhere, I guess he was calling friends from the neighborhood. Like said, I know you're going to be the kid he, guys he was delivering clothes to. Right. You're going to be something, kid. Give me a call if you ever need anything. Yeah, I need a million bucks.
0: Mind you, he's $70,000 in debt. He's a nobody.
1: And 26.
0: And 26. He's a kid. Um, wow.
1: That's gargantuan. But he, he creates this momentum, which is... You know the keys to this whole thing is he—he he dreamed big. He did the research. You know he had this big dream and he did the research. Found out where the colonel was. He was persistent and then he was persuasive.
0: He's almost all, like all of our podcasts up to here. Like he—he—he he, he was relentless in his pursuit. He was, uh, you know, you take all these things. He could persuade. He used cognitive biases. He told incredible stories. He was just—I know—you know, he, he had a, a toolbox full of tools.
1: He kind of put it all together, probably through the school of hard knocks, you know. Because I'm sure he didn't have the training that I think is available. I mean, the things you can learn online. If you just start at podcast number one and get to hear, you're getting top ideas from great books. You, you're you're way ahead of the game if you if you implement. Yeah. Um, because this is, you know, we talked about the Matthew principle in the last book, right? Mm-hmm. To those who have more. Uh, Two books ago, Jordan Peterson. To those who have, more will be given. To those who have nothing, all will be taken. So here's Jerry Weintraub makes this big splash, becomes a millionaire overnight with Elvis. Two weeks later, he was a millionaire after he cut the deal because he got all the ticket sales, uh, sold out all the arenas.
2: Isn't there a time when he gets a call from Sinatra? How does that work? Well, he, he creates
1: this massive momentum. He's Elvis. He's probably the biggest name in the producing business right now is he have got Elvis as a client. He put Elvis in these big stadiums. Then he gets a call from Sinatra, the, probably the next biggest name in business, right? And now he's managing Sinatra. So he's managing Frank Sinatra. He's putting Sinatra now in these venues. And, ve- and I think he ends up in Vegas um, over the years. So he's hit it. He's, he's become that, that player. You yeah. know, he's an A player. Um, you know, like Grover, right? A book, last last book we did was not relentless. He got Michael Jordan, which got him Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, and he and now he trains everybody. He just created that momentum with that one from one big idea from nothing became something, and from something he became the best.
0: Right, credibility is an interesting thing like that, isn't it? It's like yeah. if you have a particular client, it validates you. Like it, like that's why you need. Uh, you know, you're always one creation away from a totally different life, one client away from a totally mm-hmm. different life, one idea away from a totally different life. Because if you land something that is a step two, three or ten above where you're at, all of a sudden that becomes your baseline. Like that's your foundation. Right. And then so everyone that sees you associates you with that. And that's how you step up. And that's, you know, throughout the book, how he steps up. It's a ladder. Um You know, every time he does something that's a little bit out of the ordinary, it catches people's eyes, and he becomes the guy that can do anything. He becomes the guy that can make the
2: magic happen, and
0: who doesn't want to be around that, you know?
2: I have a takeaway here from the book that's funny. It says, I have a theory. If you act like you're in charge, nobody will stop you. Kind of what you're saying. It's just kind of a funny thought that you just act like you're in charge. It just reminds me of, like, when you walk into a building, if you act like you live there, they just don't even stop you. Right.
0: If you walk right by the security guard like you live there, they're not gonna... But, I mean, that's, that's... You got to believe you're there. You got to
1: be careful to get too close to the authority figure, because once you're that close, you'll figure out that the person really isn't that big of an authority. Right. And you're like, okay, you're above, you're in your mind above your head, but you're in a, you're you're in a game where you can play. Agreed. And uh, and that becomes the new standard. Amen. The new, uh, you know. So if you're always a little bit over your head, you'll start to have new levels of comfort and confidence. You'll be able to play.
0: Yeah, you kind of get used to, you get used to or acclimated to the feeling of discomfort being out of your, feeling out of place. Because, believe it or not, that's something that you can get accustomed to. Right. And you can start to see that it's, um, you know, it's not just, oh my God, this sucks, I got to go back and, and, and sort of mitigate this feeling. But it's, oh no, this feeling is going to get me metaphorical Sinatra. That's why I'm doing it you know, and right. then John Denver's of the world, whatever. Um, it, it accumulates exponentially.
1: Yeah, you end up with... Well, uh, compounds
0: is probably the best word. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah. You, if you build on it, it's a new it's a new, the new domino, the new, the new floor to the, uh, to the new, new house is your current level of accomplishment. Right. And be cool with making mistakes because some of them, I'm sure he doesn't talk too much about them. It's not as interesting, but the, the ones where he doesn't do well. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he bombed a million times. You don't have to be right that many times. <laughs> if, you're, if if you're right big, right, uh, aim bit, you know, you know when you miss, try to miss small and and get home big. That was Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger optionality, you know, high high upside, lower no downside.
0: A lot of guys hit 30 home runs and bat 240. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I love I love how he um he like continuously puts the pie in the sky. He sets the expectations so big. He agrees to things. Um you know, Elvis being upset or um, Sinatra being upset, he agrees to a solution and then has the confidence to fill in the gaps. I, I just think that's so cool. Yeah. Because um, he spends the entire, <laughs> like, 90% of the book trying to figure out how to execute on the things he's promised. Right. And um, a lot of people don't think like that. I think that separates, you know, uh, different outcomes, different lifestyles. It's like, you got to believe it and then work towards that belief.
1: Yeah, some people... Uh if you if you want it like a big goal, your dream, you should nearly be embarrassed to show it to somebody. I if you like want that. it to be I the like correct that. dream, you should almost not want to see it. Uh, you know, if you, but you got to at some point you got to release it. Like this is who I'm going to become. This is my message. This huge, huge promise. Right. You know, with 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 a, with the underlying commitment to make it happen. You know that persistence. I love it. Yeah, if your um, your goals are your, 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 any goal, like you yeah, know, he put. I think he did one with. Uh, when Sinatra was going to quit singing, he put him in a, he didn't know. It was his friend, too, the boy. Sinatra's cocktailing it in, a, in the in Las Vegas casino uh, hotel room. And he's thinking about quitting singing. He doesn't want to sing uh, all these songs every night. And Jerry comes up with his, you know big idea that he's the heavyweight. You're the best ever. You know, you're the heavyweight champion of, of singing. And we're going to put you in the Madison Square Garden. You're going to come out of a ring. Howard is going to introduce you. We're going to go live all over the world made it up on the spot like and Sinatra started
0: responding you know yeah yeah um, it was a it was a positive thing I mean he was just getting bored with what he was doing right and so you know Jerry's thought process was all right how do we get him excited how do we get him back in this because um, what part of the thing too and we haven't really talked about this much is like he's almost like babysitting the whole book he's catering to egos and very emotional right. prima donnas and um, so anyway he he you know he's very good at feeling the situation, understanding what the the person he's talking to wants and what will excite them. He promises something, um, gets Sinatra excited, and now he's like, "Oh boy, right now I got to go make this happen." Yeah, and uh, and he does, he does.
1: Yeah, because you get bored with stuff. That's I think that's the time when you, I know I did. I, you do something long enough, good enough, well enough, and you're making enough money where life's easy enough that you start becoming bored. Right. And that's, I think, that's the moment before you go off the rails and get connected to the wrong things, which a lot of people do. Certainly, I did. You recreate yourself, you reinvent yourself, or you create a new interesting project.
0: Yeah, that's um, tough for artists playing the same set list every night. Oh my
1: God, I can't imagine. But, right. I mean, we just saw who did we see in concert? I just saw the. Oh, I.
2: I bears saw Team Bears. No, I saw
1: <laughs> I saw Maroon, Maroon Five play. All right. Yeah, and he was off. I mean, he was visibly off. He wasn't himself. It, it struck me that he was bored,
0: a little bit. Mm. Uh, Adam Trying regime. to entertain himself, maybe. He just didn't look like he was into it. Yeah, he looked a little lethargic. I wonder if like part of part of art is just being so emotionally invested in what you're doing. It's like a piece of you, and when you feel like you've chopped it up and you know made it uh, a bite sized you know, product. It, t- it takes away the, the very reason you made it. So, like, I understand. You have so many artists. Like, uh, I remember we saw Third Eye Blind um, in Boston you know, probably years ago now, maybe four years ago. And, uh, you know, people know them for their songs, their hits. You know, and uh, they go, All right, guys, we got some new stuff. Everyone, Everyone gets up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and I, it's, it's funny because I get why they did it. I totally understand you got to keep it fresh, you got to keep yourselves inspired. But I mean, here's the reality, man. People like what they like. What was that?
1: We learned about this uh, cause we, with our posting strategy. So this is for media. So I'm always trying to connect the dots. Remember, we had, you're doing it on one, you're putting new material in between two known materials, right? Right. Right, what's that called? It's some kind of <laughs> bias, right? Familiarity bias, maybe.
0: It's in the power of habit. I'm not sure the name. Yeah, of the yeah bias. you
1: book, you put, you know, if you have a good book, and you have another good book in the middle, if you want someone to see a new book, you drop your, you drop your idea in the middle, yeah, of two things that we know work, and I think that's a good strategy for posting. It's a good strategy if you're going to be adding, you know, if you're in the restaurant business, if you're going to add new, new, new type of food, you know, figure it out. Yeah, if you're. A speaker, you, you know, you're adding new props. I
0: think you you never just depart completely
1: because you'll get crickets. Right,
0: right. right. Yeah, that's what uh, Higgs said that they do on uh, radio stations. Right. New that's song, that, that they'll was, sandwich yeah. between two songs that people know, and then it's all about being acclimated yeah. to to what you're hearing. But people get bored. I mean,
1: everybody gets bored. There's another story about John Denver, right? Yeah, he was pissed. He's like getting bored. He's starting to make
0: up problems. <laughs> Create. Oh my God, this is the best story in the world. <laughs> you want me to yeah. So. um... Long story short, he's getting pissed at everything. Um, The production, where he's staying, just like (laughs) creating all kinds of chaos and really wants Jerry to fly out there. And Jerry at the time, he's managing Elvis and he's managing Sinatra and he's, you know, putting it off as long as he can. Eventually he makes it so urgent that, you know, Jerry has to fly out. So he flies out to London to see him and, um, you know, he's sitting down he's like – explaining everything that's going wrong and he goes all right i've taken care of it goes, what's the problem he's like i fired ferguson uh ferguson's responsible for every single thing that you mentioned and he goes oh okay good that's great and so he's excited and he, you know gets the band and he tells everyone and um you know there 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 is no ferguson is the is the <laughs> is the joke but uh you know he's sitting down with them a little bit later and he says uh, you know you're not the kind of guy that that would fire someone like that or on the holidays, and, you know, what if we hire him back and just kind of put him in a different part of the company where, you know, no one will see him, and, and, you know, John Denver goes, that's great, that's a great idea, that's a great idea, and gets excited again. Again, the whole thing is is made up, fabricated, but it's problem-solving. I mean, this guy's a top-tier problem-solver. He
1: humanized John Denver, who is probably getting, uh, you might have seen this in people, they just get bigger than they really are. They start, like, bitching about, like, the food garnishes and stuff like that or not having the correct champagne. These are people that you used to drink like rock gut vodka with. Right. Now they can't drink anything less than a Belvedere vodka. But he said he gave him a, because this is the topic of our next book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. He gave John Denver a reputation to live up to. Like, you're not that type of guy. Mm-hmm. I think for two reasons, if I'm thinking of it. He didn't think John Denver is a jerk like that because he really isn't. He's a nice kid from West Virginia. But also, I'm sure he didn't want John Denver busting his chops again. The next time it happens, like, come on, you threatened to fire me because he threatened to fire Jerry. Right, that's right. what got him out there. Um, you know, those are those are the uh, the diamonds that you get when you handle those high end personalities. Right. Like, don't be afraid to bring someone down a notch.
0: Yeah, his. Uh His day, he like you, he never knew what he was going to be in for that day. It was like essentially putting out fires, problem solving. Yeah, you know, it reminded me of the Martian in the sense that like there's always a a situation, there's always something popping up, there's always something that's (laughs) problematic. Um, but you know, he's calm, he's confident, and he's very good natured. And he goes, and even when things seem dire or terrifying, he goes and he finds a way to. To, to, to put out the fire figure it out whatever and that's that's why these books I think are so great for, for entrepreneurs even if it's in our subconscious we realize we see and we read and we listen um, to these people that are um, constantly coming across issues and yeah. constantly finding ways to not only fix them but propel themselves because of them right and that's man that's if you can do that if that's if that's ingrained in your head that there are no problems just challenges
1: right. That was in Grover's book, too, right? Yeah, so yeah. The cleaner, t- the cleaner just takes care of it. Like a problem's kind of like an opportunity, uh, you know, not a challenge. Right. They, they look at it differently. Um, yeah, you know, You're going to get, if you're out there and you're putting yourself out there, and if you're above your head, you're going to have like near, near business death experiences, if not near death experiences. And when you're calm, it's contagious. You know, if, you're, if you handle it calm, your team, if you have a team, you should. You should always have a team, even if it's not formal. Informal of a support team. We'll see how you react to trauma, drama, sickness, and handle it calm. Yeah. Crazy is contagious too.
0: Yeah. It's kind of reassuring too that like knowing that the problems we're going through now, looking back will always seem insignificant. Like everything that seems huge in the moment, as you grow and you gain wisdom and you experience life, you look back and you think like, it's not that big of a deal. Like from, from, I I can think of problems I've had from first grade through high school in college to now. And it's like, I really, like I was going to throw up over a political science paper. It's like, who cares? Oh God. You know what I mean? There's so many things like that. And so the problems now, they're really, if you can, if you can really teach yourself to take everything in stride, um, you know, like, like Steve and I always joke, nothing matters.
2: It's like, just enjoy it. (laughs) It's not a big deal. He has a takeaway in the book that's uh, similar to that. He says, um, let's see where it was. He says, as long as you're here, you might as well smile. And if you find something you love, keep doing it. Ah, and that's I like beautiful.
1: That. That's, well, that's sort of, I mean, that's basically our company, you know? Right. It's like you build your business around your lifestyle that you've decided to build. Yeah. The way you want to live it, with who you want to live it, where you want to live it, and how. Right. And figure out a way to make a, make a living doing that. I think he, you know, he, uh, and I'll bring up a point you made at lunch today, which I love about your friend who's a, in New York, who's unhappy with his job. You mm-hmm. uh, made a really good point, but, um, you know, he, he was around people all day, you know? The guy was around the best people in the world. You know, these are people that are famous, and people, everybody wants to be, but he spent his life being around the greatest people in the world. Right. Uh, at least the most popular. Maybe, maybe uh, if, at times, actually, there were times in the, he created a movie studio that went under. He did other things. He's lost money a bunch of times. His
0: teeth kicked in every yeah, once in a while. You, gotta,
1: you always do. <laughs> yeah, talk sure. about your friend that you you know was unhappy, right?
0: Yeah, I, I have a, a friend, um, really good friend from college, who's who's unhappy with his his job right now, and just um, you know doing the law firm thing and, and making great money, working crazy hours, and it's just eating him up. And it's like, you know, my advice is bartend like do something less intensive and just right. relax there's this i i think this is a hypothesis but i i think it's you know this keeping up with the joneses type thing where you don't want to take that step back um because of how it'll be perceived or how you'll be judged particularly in somewhere like new york city where right. you know what i mean it's like the the expectations are high everything's expensive um and you don't want to take that step back, but sometimes you need to just release that pressure, take a step back, and what you find is that step back becomes a leap forward. Um, at least I found that in my case, man. I felt like trash for like yeah. four or five months when I quit my job. Like, I just felt like, oh, my God,
1: you know? It's time to go. It's time to go. You got to.
0: There's nothing more important than your your, your health.
1: I love the fact you told him to bartend, because I used to bartend, and... You know, we said, like, have you ever met an unhappy bartender? <laughs> yeah. Like, they're the happiest people on earth because they're hanging out, having conversations. They figured out how to make a living. I was in the Key West this weekend for a festival, and that's like the most sought-after job in the Keys. Yeah. The way to get a bartending job in Key West is to wait for a bartender to die. Like, they have them for like 30 years, and they're right. really well-paid, but they also are paid socializing.
0: They're paid to socialize. It doesn't look like a bad time, what they're yeah. doing. Right. You right. Probably
1: the greatest advice you could give your friend. Like, better than any antidepressant drug that the medication companies will put you on. It's like, hey, just go do something. Get out there and in the, in, in get a new environment and mix it up a little bit. Right. Recreate yourself that Cause, way. Because
0: there's a difference between being uncomfortable, right, in, in doses, learning from it, transforming and then stepping back out and waking up every day feeling unhappy and like dreading how you're spending your time. There's, there's just no way where that turns into a positive. You got to adjust. You got to pivot. You got to take a step back. Um, Ultimately, you know, you are what matters. You know, no one's perspective, no one's criticism, no one's thoughts or opinions. It's it's you and your happiness. And if you don't take care of that, you'll watch life move right on by. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, still, I I, I've been challenged on the statistic, but go ahead and look it up. The last Gallup poll, it's like eighty percent of people self-identify as not being happy with right. their job. Meaning there's other, just I'm happy with it. I, and then there's one I love it. And then there's one like, it's okay. And then there's one I hate it. Like 80%, <clears> eight in <throat> 10 people are below the, the, the acceptable level of happiness. Yeah. If that's the case, man, it's time. It's time to, 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 to create something new. Right. To get a little juice out of it. He said Sinatra got twinkled in his eyes when Jerry says, you're the heavyweight champion of music and we're going to have you come out of the ring. So he obviously connected to, like, Muhammad Ali coming out of the Madison Square Garden, Sinatra. Got the wheels got turning. a twinkle in his eye, yeah. yeah. So what gives you a twinkle in your eye? Uh, Steve Jobs, in his famous speech, said, uh, what makes your heart sing? Like, what if it's not happening, switch it up. Yeah, yeah. Switch it up. He's done it a few times.
0: He has. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a... His, his career is a Swiss Army knife. I mean, he's... Produced movies. He's an agent. He's done all kinds of stuff. Um,
1: yeah, he's pretty close, I guess, with Brad Pitt and um, was. Oh, he's dead. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's close with uh, those guys from a- Ocean Eleven, and they, they they did a joke on him. They they were doing shots of vodka uh-huh. on a, on a flight home from from Europe, and they were drinking water. and He was drinking vodka, <laughs> so he did it for like the whole flight. He, had, he woke up, and they put M Ms in his pocket. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> They have
1: fun. They're friends. You can make friends. You make friends along the way, even better.
0: Absolutely. Right? And, and interestingly enough, they, they come to be more and more like you, like minded, because you start to weed out the people that are not. You know. Oh, of
1: course. That's they they ha- won't hang. They won't. They won't hang in with you.
2: Right. Yeah. right. That's what helps you level are up. Are you talking about uh, how to win friends and influence people? Well, that's next. <laughs> that's our that's our book next. How to win friends and influence people. This is
1: the oops. This is the Bible. So this will be our book for next week. The Only Book You'll Need to Lead You to Success by Dale Carnegie. Uh, it's probably one of the most talked about books. Staple uh, self-help. Yeah. And there's just absolute diamonds in that book on how to you know, be persuasive, how to live your life, how to be remembered, so many different things.
0: Yeah. So check it out. And we're going to do a few new things. We're going to have a, uh, a call-in uh, call number Um, for people to ask questions, you know, particularly if they're about this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, next week um, when we're going over the book and and chatting, uh, doing the weekly podcast, we'll bring up the questions and answer them and Um,
2: I got the number right here. All right. What's it? What is it? So if you guys want to call in, leave a voicemail, or you could even just text in a question, comment, anything you want to say. The phone number is 754-273-6069. So what you want to do is just give it a call. Any, any phone works or a text, and we'll bring it up on the podcast for these guys to listen to and respond to. So it should be fun. Awesome. We can't wait. So
0: Anything else? I think I think we Yeah,
2: I
1: mean I encourage know. you to call. You're gonna get some free consulting. Anything to do with, you know, sharing your message, what business models you may have in mind for how do you distribute your message and how to monetize your message through media. So message model media, the three legged stool. Um, you know, three ways to take your game to a whole nother level. So Go call on. in with the
0: questions. All right. See you next week, guys. All right. <laughs>